Good morning, Lockwood. I have, I've said it before to some of you, but I'm going to say it again. Gosh, it's good to be home. It really is good to be home. So today, um, this, uh, this message is not technically part of Shane's uh, Down to Earth series, but it is something that's a, it's sort of a spiritual brother to that series. Uh, it's a basic Christian uh, practice. Um, I'm talking about supplication, which of course you all know what that is. I recently, my wife said, what, what's, your, what's your sermon on again? I can't remember. It, it's sermonification, sublimation. I couldn't remember. I said, what's the, um, it's, uh, shoot, I had to look at my sermon to remember. If, in case you don't know, in case uh, you, you can't recall what that word is, supplication just means asking. We're going to be talking about asking prayer today, asking God, but really the dictionary definition just means to ask earnestly and humbly. And what that means is to ask earnestly means to mean what you say, what you're asking for, and to ask humbly means to trust the person you ask. That's all supplication is. We're going to be talking about that today. Now, I have a friend who, uh, who once asked me to intervene in a conversation she was having with a college student who didn't believe in prayer. And I said I would. That was probably my first mistake uh, because he also didn't believe in God. So, of course, he wouldn't believe in prayer. That's just logical, sensible. Um, so maybe that wasn't the first step, but, you know, I dove right into it. And, and she wanted me to convince him. So I tried, and that was my second mistake. Um, but one question that he had, one thing that he kept saying, was a roadblock to our whole conversation, to our argument really, and that was my third mistake, letting it turn into an argument. He said, how can you prove that prayer works? And in the long run, I couldn't. Now, I've said that to other people before. I've told this story to groups of Christians, and there's been, he says, you can't prove prayer. Okay, but listen to this. There have been, I found, 23 major studies on prayer for healing on the effectiveness of prayer for healing, scientific studies. Of those 23 studies, 13 showed that there was significant provable health benefit to being prayed for. On some of the studies, the people knew they were being prayed for, and others it was a blind study. But 13 out of 23, that's more than half. That's pretty good, right? Okay, that, that's a result, a definable result. Nine of those studies show that there was no statistically significant health benefit to being prayed for. It's not so good. One study, check this out, showed that the subject's health actually got worse when they were prayed for. Nobody can figure out why. Everybody talks about it. The subjects knew in that case that they were being prayed for, so maybe it made them tense, like, I've got to get better or else the study's not going to go well, but nobody really knows. Regardless, the conversation didn't go anywhere because I couldn't prove that prayer did anything. 13 out of 23 times is not a scientific result. I couldn't prove to him that prayer works. 
And I thought about it a lot afterwards. I don't know if he did. He moved on to another argument. It was online, and he was just happy to argue with people. But I thought about it a lot after that. By the way, that was my other mistake, arguing online. Don't, just don't. Um, so <laughs> I was going to say Jesus didn't. Well, of course he didn't. I don't think he would. I don't think he'd argue online with people. I don't know. Um, but I thought about that conversation a lot afterwards, a lot. And I realized that my major mistake, my biggest mistake in that conversation was that I let him set the parameters for the conversation. When I let him say, you have to prove to me that prayer works. Because what he was saying was, prayer has to work every time. Or it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. See, he was thinking that, that God is a force of nature. Like gravity. And we know how gravity works, right? What goes up must come down. If you throw a ball up in the air and the ball doesn't come back down, something's badly wrong. Maybe you're in space, but you should probably have known that. Maybe somebody caught it. You should probably have known there was someone up there ready to catch the ball. Maybe you're dreaming, but if you throw the ball up and it doesn't come back down, something's wrong. Something's different. We know how gravity works every single time, right? Fair enough that this guy would expect that if, if God is a force of nature, prayer should work every single time. Fair enough. But here's the thing. Gravity doesn't care about you. Raise your hand if you have fallen down and hurt yourself recently, say in the last week. And now keep your hands up. Raise your hand if you have, if something has fallen on you recently. Raise your, more. Raise your hand if you have dropped something either valuable or on your own valuable toe recently. Okay, that's, that's most of you. That's just in the last week. You know, you know provably that gravity does not love you, right? People who raised your hands, you know that. Grandma's Ming vase. I don't know if grandma had a Ming vase. That'd be pretty expensive, but grandma's expensive vase. Grandma knows that gravity does not love you because you knocked it off the top shelf and it shattered. But God is not a force of nature. He's a father. He's a good father. And that's a significant thing to say because cultures throughout history, all across the world, have had a father God. Especially... Uh, cultures that have pantheons, that have groups of gods, a god for this, a god for that, they usually have a father god. But they're mostly terrible fathers. Take uh, Odin. Odin was the, uh, the Norse, sort of the, the Viking god, uh, the, the Viking father god. If you know Thor from the movies or the comics, it's Thor's dad, okay? And in the movies, he's not such a terrible guy, but in those Norse stories, man, terrible father, his own stories. He was fickle and cruel and selfish and treated one son way better than the other one because the other one was adopted and just just bad dad, right? And a terrible uh, husband, cheated on his wife a lot, a lot, a lot. And maybe it's possible to be a bad husband and a good father, but it's pretty hard. He's a bad father. Our father is the only good father. He's also the only real God, but he's the only good father among all those fathers, father gods that people have talked about over the centuries. So, we ask, we supplicate, 
We ask God for things, and he responds like a father. And when my kids ask me for stuff, if I'm going to say no, even if I'm going to say yes, I usually try to tell them why. I don't just say yes or no. On a good day, if I have a moment, I'll tell them why. Because they learn from that. They know that I'm not just saying no. They even know that I'm not just saying yes. They start to learn why I say no, why I'm going to say yes, what's appropriate to ask for, what's likely to get a yes answer. And they start to think like me. Without knowing it, they're, they're, starting to, they're imitating me. They're starting to become like me, for good or ill. My kids think a lot like me and like their mom, mostly for good for her. Not necessarily for good for me, but, but they, they're starting to, to become like me. That's one way that kids interact with their father. And that's one way that we interact with our father. That's why we pray and ask for things. Now, I believe, and I think it's very scriptural, that God always answers prayer, at least from his children. And I think, I've heard, and I think this is scriptural, that God answers prayer in one of three ways, always answers, and has one of three answers every single time. Now, I'm going to ask what those are, but if you have ever heard this from me before, and that means if you've ever taken a class from me, if you're from nerd church or, or transition church, or any, you've probably heard this. I've said this a lot. So if you've done any of those things, please don't answer. But does anybody have any idea what one of those three answers might be? How might God answer? Like, what would his answer be? What's one? Yes is right. Okay. Sometimes he just says yes. We love that one, right? What might another one be? Right? Okay, that's another pod. That's a thing I might say. Any other thoughts? Not now, would you say? In his time, not now? Good. Close. Very close, you guys. Someone said maybe in one of them. I don't think God ever says maybe. Um, I believe that God says yes. He says, yes, but not yet, in his time, wait for it, right? He says that about healing a lot, I think. We want to be healed right now. Sometimes he says, yes, wait for it. Or he says, I have a better plan for you. Now, of course, that sounds like no to us, right? Just the way it would sound to my kids. I have a better plan. That means no, right, Dad? (laughs) For me, it might. I might not have a better plan. I might just be saying it. But God means it when he says it. Um, as Max Lucado says, faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It is the belief that God will do what is right. Now, that college student wanted the answer always to be yes, or else prayer doesn't do anything, he thought. See? Now, as a side note, I think just maybe sometimes God says, sorry, what? Are you nuts? Uh, I'm going to give an example here. I have a friend who, uh, who says when she was dating age, when she was first just old enough to be asked out, a boy came to her father to say, may I take your daughter out? Now, dads, back me up. Good job, kid, right? Yeah, well done. Now, that kid had a father probably who taught him, ask the dad. I know it's scary, but ask the dad, well done, good job, brave kid. Even braver than you think, because her dad 
was a Baptist preacher. I don't reckon I would ever have taken the girl out. I think I would have been too scared at, what, 15 or whatever he was. I don't think I would have ever. I mean, I picture, I don't know if it's true, but I picture he had a big Baptist preacher voice, you know. No way am I asking that guy. This kid asked, you know, sir, may I, may, may I take your daughter out on a date? His answer was, you may take my, you may take my daughter out, but I promise you, that if you hurt her in any way, if I cannot find you to end your life, I will pray that the Lord Almighty does. <sighs> wow! They still went out. What a brave kid. And I know that God didn't answer the father's prayer because I know that that boy did not marry that girl. She married a totally different guy. So he must have broken her heart at some point, and neither dad nor God killed the kid. I'm sure I would have heard that part of the story. Sometimes I think God says, I have a better plan, but really? Really? You should know better. That's just a side note, but really three answers. Yes, yes, but not yet. I have a better plan for you. So, so how do we ask? I mean, if, if my kids can learn how to ask me for things, what things to ask for, how do we talk to our dad? One of the smartest things that the disciples ever asked Jesus was, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. But it was a strange question for a group of Jews in Israel in Jesus' time. These people prayed more, maybe, than anybody in history. Uh, they had a culture of prayer. They were steeped in prayer. It was part of their lives, like eating and sleeping. They had... They had um, five regular scheduled prayers every day, and additional prayers in between. They, they had prayers for everything. They, they, they were full of praise and thanksgiving and blessing. They confessed sins. They prayed for each other. They prayed for themselves. They prayed for their people. I don't know anybody who prayed as much as the Jews did in Jesus' time. So why did they ask him how to pray? Shouldn't they have known? I mean, of anybody, the, the Jews of his time should have known how to pray. They asked him, because they saw that it worked. When Jesus prayed, things happened. And things didn't always seem to happen when they prayed. So they said, teach us how to pray. They could see that he knew how to talk to the Lord, to his Father. There's another side note. Jesus was maybe the first worshiper of God who regularly called Father, my Father. To the Jews, that was, that was a no-no. It's maybe one of the reasons that people got so angry with him, because they sometimes said our father, the nation's father, the world's father. They never said my father. He wasn't personal enough for that, they thought. And that's one of the things he did. He said, my father. And they said, he's, he's praying differently. We need to learn how to do this. How do we pray? So, this is how to pray. Now, you know this is the Lord's Prayer. Um, I'm going to use slightly different wording today just because, uh, and I did it carefully. You don't want to change what the Bible says, but you can use different wording. I mean, honestly, we're reading in English, right? <laughs> Nobody was speaking English in Jesus' time in Israel. But sometimes if you hear a thing over and over and over again, you stop hearing it, like the, the Pledge of Allegiance. You said that in school, right? 
if you went to public school, how long did it take for you to not hear the words anymore? You know, even if you knew what indivisible meant. I know a lot of kids who said, oh, I always thought that was invisible. I always wondered why we, nobody could see us. Didn't matter, you just say the thing. So I'm using slightly different words here for the Lord's Prayer, just so that we can all hear it, right? So Matthew says that Jesus taught us to pray something like this. Our Father in heaven, you are holy. May your kingdom come soon so that your will is done here on earth, just like it is in heaven. Today, give us what we need today. Forgive us and help us learn to forgive. And rescue us from ourselves and from the evil one. So, what was different about that prayer? They said, teach us how to pray. He took them seriously. He taught them this prayer. What was different about it? First of all, it wasn't a ritual. He wasn't teaching them a new prayer. Now, we do. I mean, a lot of churches say that prayer very regularly. I grew up in the Methodist church. We said that prayer every single week until I didn't hear it anymore. Uh, But he wasn't teaching that exactly. You can pray the Lord's Prayer. It's a good prayer. What he was doing is what all good teachers do. He was not just teaching facts. He was teaching how to think. A good teacher teaches you how to think. Jesus was teaching us how to pray. And if you read, you you look at uh, Matthew and look just before the Lord's Prayer, he says this is how you should pray. He doesn't say this is what you should say. That was one thing that was different about it. So these are the things that he was teaching. Now, if you're a note taker, if you're taking notes right now, I don't usually like bullet points, but here's some bullet points. And if you're not a note taker, I'm going to give you five points, five things that Jesus was teaching that if you don't normally think to pray in this way, consider doing that, okay? First of all, he said, remember who God is. He said, our Father, you are holy. Remember who God is. Second, remember that what he wants is most important, your kingdom, your will. Third, Jesus said, ask him for what you need and what you want. Give us today. We say our daily bread. Give us what we need today. Ask him for what you want and what you need. Four, ask him to forgive you and to help you to forgive. It's vitally important. And five, ask him to protect you. He says, rescue us from ourselves, from the evil one. That's how to pray in a nutshell. That's Jesus teaching us how to pray. So, here's an important thing. Um, I said God always answers the prayers of his people. And I think it's important to note that if you don't belong to Christ, God will hear you. He always does. But don't expect a yes answer very often. Sort of, sort of like if one of my kids asks me for a cookie, I'm pretty likely to give him a cookie. I like cookies. Sure, here's a cookie. At least I'll explain to him why not. If I don't, maybe I don't have a cookie. But if someone else's kid randomly comes up to me and says, can I have a cookie? I'm less likely to say yes. Maybe I'll be nice. Maybe I'll give the kid a cookie. And maybe I'll make 
her dad angry because she's not supposed to have a cookie. But all she's going to get is the cookie. She's not going to get love if God just gives you something and you don't belong to him, you wouldn't accept his love anyway. She's not going to get instruction. She's not going to follow my instructions just because I give her a cookie. We're not going to follow God's instructions if we don't belong to him. We just want the cookie. Uh, She's not going to start to learn who I am. She doesn't care. She just wants the cookie, right? If you don't belong to God and you ask him for something and he gives it to you, you're you're probably going to say thank you and move on and not really learn who he is because you don't belong to him. You're not his child. Now, there is one way to always get a yes answer out of God if you don't belong to him, if you don't belong to Christ, if you're not his child, one way to always get a yes answer. Ask to be adopted. He will do it. Now, Ask earnestly, mean it, and trust him as much as you can right now. He'll do it every time. He will absolutely say yes to that. And here's the thing. In the long run, God owns all the cookies, right? There's a, there's a question. Why, if, if, God, if God could give us everything all the time, why doesn't he? I mean, why, why doesn't he just say yes to people who don't belong to him? Because all we'd get is a cookie. But we wouldn't learn anything from him. We wouldn't get anything else from him. And he doesn't want us just to have a cookie. He wants us to have him. But he can. God owns the cookies on a thousand hills, right? He owns all the cookies. He made all the things in the first place. He made the wheat. He made the milk. He made the sugar. He knows how to make cookies. He taught us how to make cookies. All the cookies belong to him, which means in the long run, if you belong to him, all the cookies belong to you too. All the things that are good in the world and all the things that are not yet in the world that are good and all the things that have been in the world that were good but are gone belong to God. And that means that in the long run, all those things belong to us too even if he has to say, wait for it. Well, let's pray. But um, let's, let's pray that prayer that Jesus taught us. And uh, you probably know something like the King James Version. Just use whatever, if you know the Lord's Prayer, use whatever version you know, all right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.